you're serious about starting this, you have to go to the conferences. You have to make the connections because that's how you learn. It is constantly evolving this industry and to try to, you know, learn everything is impossible, but you can definitely improve on the practices that you have in place. And I think that conferences are one of the best places that you can pick up those little tidbits here and there of what somebody else might be doing that you're not doing or you hadn't thought about and come back and then implement it in your business and make it more successful. Hi, my name is Kara Myers and welcome to the Travel Business Lounge. Each week, I chat with women who have built incredible businesses in the travel and tourism industry. You'll hear their inspirational stories of success. We went from 2,000 a month to about 70, 72,000 a month um, in that span of, of nine years. And struggle. I wish that I could tell you that I pivoted really quickly and like jumped back on my feet and I did it. And what they learned along the way. Give yourself the grace of knowing that it's not going to happen overnight and you're going to make a ton of mistakes. And as long as you learn from them and move forward, that's okay. So grab a coffee, hit subscribe and get ready to learn and feel inspired. Hello, hello. My name is Kara and welcome back to the Travel Business Lounge, the place where we celebrate and learn from female entrepreneurs in the travel industry. This is episode 31 and oh my goodness, is it a good one? We're talking all about travel blogging and content creation in 2022. I am joined by Kirsten Maxwell, who is the brilliant mind behind Kids Are a Trip and Multi-Generational Vacations, two fantastic websites that help families travel better. Kirsten first started Kids Are a Trip back in 2014, and after years of growing this really successful blog, decided in 2020 that she was going to take on a new project and niche even further down specifically to multi-generational vacations. So I think she brings a really unique perspective specifically on blogging because she can talk us through how she got started in 2014, what worked for her then, what she's learned in that journey and what she's focusing on, but also what it's like starting a travel blog today, because obviously a lot has changed in the world of blogging. And I absolutely loved interviewing Kirsten because she was really an open book, super down to earth, had really great practical advice. And one thing she said, and that we really focused on throughout the episode, because it's something that I haven't really touched on in previous interviews, are conferences. Kirsten tells us how attending these conferences has been a great way to grow and monetize her business. So it's really interesting to hear about the impact that these conferences has had on her business and also some of the learning, some of the takeaways she's had after attending these conferences. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. I know there are a lot of people out there who have a lot of knowledge to share and are interested in starting a travel blog, but are maybe a bit concerned about whether they've already missed their opportunity, that window of opportunity. But from what I've seen, Every year you read these articles or you hear these stories of people talking about how it's harder today than ever before to make it in travel blogging, how the landscape has just completely changed. But every single year we have these new travel bloggers 
rising to the top and having a lot of success and definitely speaking to Kirsten today and hearing about her experience starting a new website in 2020 was fascinating. And though there's definitely challenges and she's still growing that business, I do think it's just proof once again that it is still possible. Absolutely. You just have to approach it with a lot of strategy and intention. And luckily, because we're 15 years down the line from when travel blogging first became a thing, there's so much knowledge and so many resources out there that in a way, it's a lot easier to get ahead because you're not having to scrape around to find information or just learn through trial and error on your own. The information is out there. And as Kirsten shares today, a lot of information is out in these conferences and they're definitely worth attending. I've never attended one myself, but after speaking with her, I'm definitely keen to maybe look for a podcast conference. I think it would be a great way to meet people, but I digress. I'd rather get straight into this conversation with Kirsten because it is just so good. So without further ado, here is Kirsten Maxwell of Kids Are a Trip and Multi-Generational Vacations. All right. Hello, Kirsten. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. I'm just really looking forward to hearing more about your background, your story, and how you got to develop a really successful travel blog and also a really successful travel planning business, it seems. So tell us, you know, start from the beginning. Talk to us how you got into travel, where you're from, where that interest came from, and we'll go from there. So If we're going back that far, I'm actually from Arizona. I grew up in a town called Tempe. Since then, I've lived in San Diego, Chicago, and now I live in Dallas. I grew up not really traveling a ton. We did a lot of road trips as a kid around Arizona to California. That was really the the max, you know, of our travel experience. I have a I had a grandmother who had instilled a love of travel in me. I remember still vividly when. She took a cruise to Greece and brought back these postcards with these beautiful images and just kind of planted a seed, I feel like, about my wanting to learn more about the world, you know, and how it exists outside of my little bubble that I grew up in. And um, I did a study abroad program in college. I went and studied in Spain. My degree is actually in Spanish. I have two degrees, one's in Spanish, one in elementary education. So I'm kind of doing what I, I learned at school and putting it into use just in a different way than I would have ever imagined using it. Fast forward, I have three kids. We were traveling with them quite regularly. My husband had the benefit of us getting flight benefits. So we're, you know, always looking for a new place to travel. And people would ask, how do you travel with kids? How do you do this? It seems so overwhelming. And we were traveling with three kids under the age of five. And I was kind of baffled by that question because my response was always, how do you not? (laughs) It just seemed so normal to us. We traveled for a honeymoon. We traveled for four years before we had kids. So to stop that would have seemed kind of crazy and nonsensical, if you will. And so my husband suggested, well, why don't you start writing this down? So I wrote it, started the blog back in 2000 and I'm like, what year is it? 2014. And it is something that kind of took on a life of its own. It was never meant to be uh, mass consumption. It was always for my friends, my family, 
you know, here's the things that they could be doing if they wanted to. This is how we did it. This is how we stayed where we stayed, what we did. And it kind of took on a life of its own. And fast forward eight years and, you know, I've written for companies like Travelocity before, you know, in the past I write for Moon Travel Guides. I have my own site. I am here now creating the second site, Multi-Generational Vacations. And with travel coming back, it has just boomed. I mean, it's gone a little bit crazy and I don't know how long I'll be able to manage it as a, as one person. So I'm constantly asking my kids like, help, I need, cause they're older now. So getting their help wherever I can or, you know, hiring out some um, additional help from VAs and write, content writers has been kind of what has helped me sustain this level. That's amazing. And I mean, I'd really like to break that down a little bit because there's such a difference between writing a casual blog that's, you know, sort of documenting your travels versus creating a business out of it and, and, you know, having structure and knowing how to monetize. So in those early days, were you trying to approach it with the intention of eventually monetizing it? Or was it more of just a way to document your travels with your family? You know, like they say, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> Had I known then what I know now, <laughs> I wrote in the beginning, it was purely like flowery language, great words, building up so people would feel things when I wrote about them. And I realized in hindsight, yeah, never should have done that. I could have <laughs> spent three or four years like talking about how creative I could be with my writing. I would have my mom and dad edit it and look over it and see if everything was okay which is really sounds weird when I say that out loud, but it's true. And then um, what really taught me that I was not doing it the way I should be doing it is going to conferences and listening to speakers. I mean, I feel that's the one advice I give people all the time. If you are serious about starting this, you have to go to the conferences. You have to make the connections because that's how you learn. It is constantly evolving this industry and to try to you know, learn everything is impossible, but you can definitely improve on the practices that you have in place. And I think that conferences are one of the best places that you can pick up those little tidbits here and there of what somebody else might be doing that you're not doing or you hadn't thought about and come back and then implement it in your business and make it more successful. What are some of the conferences that you attended? Do you remember the names? So I've probably done all the conferences. So, um, (laughs) So I've done, um, I started out with TBEX, which is uh, a very introductory, you know, great way to get your feet wet. Um, I've done WITS, which is Women in Travel Summit. I've just got back from NACHA. I did that last week. That's North American Travel Journalists Association. I've been to SATW, Society of American Travel Writers. I've been to FTA, which is Family Travel Association. I think that's it. And IMM, which is the big one every January in New York. That's probably my favorite because I get the most value from that conference. Great. And what are some of the major takeaways, especially from the first few conferences you attended? What did what really resonated with you and made you think, hey, that's how I can I can apply that kind of strategy to my blog? Well, I think anytime you have an opportunity to listen to someone speak about whether it's SEO, social media, things that you know that you're already doing on your site, but maybe could be doing better. I mean, those are the ones I kind of sought out. I remember I was in TBEX in Ireland, and SEO was really just starting to come into being something that people were looking at more regularly and just listening to somebody like, oh, wait, that's totally different than how I structure my blog post. Maybe I need to listen to this and pay attention. And so 
it did kind of lead me down this rabbit hole. Uh, and I, I have to give a shout out to Digital Nomad Wannabe Sharon Gourlay. She had so much content on her site and her Facebook group that really kind of made me feel like I found a community that was constantly supporting and building each other up and sharing their ideas. And that would be probably, I mean, that was another place that I started looking for information. I kind of feel that this field is constantly evolving. And since I come from a teaching background, education is so important to me. And I think it's just constant education is what's going to grow your brand, grow your business. And like I said, building a community. Huge. Absolutely. That's great. And I'd love to hear that you choose conferences. It's not something that many people I've spoken to on the show have uh, acknowledged as being really helpful in their business, but it's, you know, there's so many out there, especially for the travel industry, and they're super useful for networking, for learning, for everything. Yep. I, I would definitely say that's the biggest takeaway is the networking. I mean, so much of life is who you know, and I think giving all those opportunities and people, I mean, you meet somebody in the elevator, they could be the person giving you your next job. So it, to your point, there are certain conferences that don't line up with what your goals and what you want to have in your business life, you know, what's going to, what they're going to provide to you. But there are certainly ones out there that will. So I know one I didn't mention is TravelCon. I have not had a chance to go to that. People I know have been and loved it, but now I hear that it's done. So might as well not promote that one anymore. I mean, I think that it is, like I said, constantly evolving of what people are looking for and the better job of conferences of dealing with those things and what and connecting with their attendees, the longer life they're going to have and the more useful you will find it. Absolutely. Now, now, what's your approach with SEO today? Do you do the research before you craft the post? Do you do you plan your trips around, you know, SEO research that you're doing? What? How does it fall into your business model? All of the above. <laughs> That's <laughs> the easy answer. So basically, when I'm, I am crafting posts, I'm using tools like Key Search and Rank IQ and Google Keyword Planner to kind of go in and research what, where, how I should be structuring the post. I am right now in the throes of updating a lot of old posts. I think so many people forget to like, they just one put it up there and there's, they never touch that post again. And I, I'm really making a, you know, concerted effort to go back and find those posts that I need to maybe add some more keywords to. So I think in the beginning I was just kind of, you know, hit or miss guessing around what could be in the post, what should be in the post. And now I feel like I have a better idea of, what I'm missing and what I need to add to those posts. So a lot of updating right now. That's great. Yeah. It's so useful to go back and um, repurpose or re re rejuvenate uh, posts that aren't getting a lot of traction, but you've already put the work in. So might as well right. just update where you can. Yep. Yep. So beyond SEO, you also mentioned social media being something that, you, you know, is discussed at conferences. How does that factor into your travel blog or help to, to build it up? So it's interesting. I mean, as we all know, the <laughs> social media is fickle. So what may have been working well on one platform no longer works there. I mean, I spend all this time building up Pinterest. They want to change what they have going on over there. I still haven't figured out their new system they're trying to use with idea pins, but I plug away. Uh, you have Google Web Stories. I went ahead and had somebody create, like, I think my 50 top posts, I had them create Google Stories, put them out there. 
not really seeing where that's going to work yet, but I figure it's better to have something out there than nothing. So I kind of go with that, you know, what's the flavor of the day? What's working? What's not working? What are other people seeing working? I mean, obviously reels on Instagram, they put so much time and effort behind promoting that. So I try to throw one out there every now and again. I don't love it, but I mean, if it gets me some views and eyes and people hear or know who I am, I'm so terrible about being on the camera. I don't love to be like, oh yeah, hey, look at me. I, cause I want people to picture themselves where I am. I don't want it to be me living a vacation they should be living. I want them to see the destination. So, I mean, I struggle with that because I know a lot of people who are on TikTok are like, hey, you got to be in front of the camera. They have to see you, blah, blah. And that's not comfortable for me. So I have to find a way to work around that. I've tried to ask my teenagers to do it. They won't, won't, won't touch it with a 10 foot <laughs> pole. They're like, no. And people are mean. People are mean on TikTok. Like I've tried a couple things and I got some nasty comments. It's like, yikes, I don't think I want to do that. So it is a little dip your toes in the water, see what works for you keep coming back to it. But I think in the end of the day, the things that are going to give you the most return are going to be your SEO investment on your site and you're building your newsletter. I mean that, and we haven't touched on that yet, but that for me has been huge because you're putting your content right in their front lap, right in their lap. And it's a great way to get people engaged. I mean, I could do it so much more than I do. I know people send out follow-up and leads and all this stuff that I don't track and I probably should, but I, I have somebody else do my email creation. She kind of keeps me on track, but she, you know, will be like, Hey, we could give this, you know, download. And I'm like, whatever you think is best because I know it's out there and it keeps people engaged, but I don't know how to create it all myself. So I think that's another, that's a whole nother story, but that's an important part of blogging too, is knowing when you need to ask for help because you can't do it all the on your own and you can't be everything to everyone. You have to find spend money to make money kind of thing has been, it's been a long time for me to get to that point, but I kind of now have embraced it that, you know, that will help grow your business if you can find areas that you can maybe put a little money towards to help grow you in other ways. Absolutely. So when did you first, let's go back, when did you first monetize your blog? And then when did you start to realize this is a real thing? I need to start reaching out and getting other people involved. Great question. So I actually started from the beginning with Amazon. So easy peasy. Everybody does it. You know, throw the Amazon links on there. Didn't see a lot of return on that in the beginning. I really just have not done a good job with that and and tracking that and stuff. I, I'm the worst when it comes to analytics and tracking. So never ask me a question about that because I, I, I don't pay enough attention. I know I should be better about that. Um, I also use Commission Junction, but still struggled with how to implement it. That's really been my goal for the last year and a half is getting more of those affiliate links in there. I am on Mediavine. That has helped immensely. I mean, when you can make money just for having your site sitting there and people coming to it and generating money, I mean, that thankfully has been a touch it and leave it kind of thing. But I've been more aware of affiliate relationships and trying to promote that and cross promoting them on, you know, different platforms because I think I I know I ignored it for too long. It's one of those things that people always talked about, but I never really understood. So like knowing user intention and stuff like that. And I'm finally I feel coming into my own about, oh, this is how what they're talking about. This is how you make money. This is 
these are how you know what's converting. I've had very good success this last year with VRBO. I think I maybe had over $300,000 in bookings on my site for that company. And I probably should just go to them direct, which probably I will do after this conversation and say, hey, let's come up with a different working relationship because I'm obviously bringing a lot to the table when it comes to your bookings. And, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for a lot of things to be paid because I'm using a third party. So let me add that to my notes. (laughs) (laughs) The long list of things to do. (laughs) Uh Exactly. That is absolutely incredible. So you, so would you say affiliate marketing is or affiliate links are your biggest source of income? Right now, I think after January, because January is kind of when I contract everything kind of started picking back up after IMM, there were more discussions about travel and definitely since March, I mean, it used to be my media vine income was my biggest source of income, but now it's coming from campaigns, paid campaigns. Right. And talk us through the paid campaigns. What are you doing for that? <laughs> I do a little bit of everything. So, I mean, silly. I mean, I did a Twitter party, got paid for that, but it's promoting the destination. So there's all different things. I've done Instagram posts. I've done Facebook posts. I've done articles for companies. So I've done Instagram stories. And so it's just using your social media to make yourself some extra money and your website too. So I have sponsored posts on my site. I just did one yesterday for moon travel guides. And so I get paid for doing that and promoting their new book. They have a moon Puerto Rico book and it article was about Puerto Rico. So it's a perfect fit, but just using that to make a little extra income every month has been helpful too. That's amazing. And so are most of those relationships formed through these conferences or is it a mix? Yes, through definitely through the moon was through a conference. Um, we had a relationship in advance just online. And then we finally met for the first time at a conference. And then the relationship has just blossomed since then. Yeah. Almost every campaign I've had this year, if outside of there's a platform called, I don't ever say it right. Isaiah or Isaiah. And I will get a couple of different, I've had maybe a handful of things through them. Um, and the other are contacts that I've made at conferences coming back to me and wanting to work together. And I, from the IMM conference so far, I've had about five paid campaigns. That's incredible. Absolutely yeah. outstanding. Yeah. So you started your blog in 2014. You started making a little money here and there with Amazon and other affiliate links. When did it really, what was the year or time that it really started to take off and it was a, you would call it a business? Sure. So uh, we haven't talked about this, but in 2015, I joined a company called travelingmom.com and I was doing some writing for them. I started making a little bit of money doing that and I wrote for them for two and a half years. It really took off though once I started working with Travelocity. Again, I met them at a conference and for three years I was one of their, they called us national nomads. There were 10 of us who would travel to different sites and write about it and promote them through both Travelocity and our own sites. So that was probably what, three, three years into my whole blog that it really picked up. I mean, you work, get to work with a big company like Travelocity and it, it kind of just comes along naturally with, you know, you're having more people see your work, more people meeting you, more people talking about you, what you're creating, what you're doing. And 
you know, and you're making those relationships too. I mean, there were 10 other people that are nine other people in the national nomads and we all supported each other and what we we're doing. So if they're sharing with their audience and so on. And so I think it just kind of come, that was probably the turning point that it just kind of took off and knock would never have looked back. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That sounds like a great network. And yeah. I mean, so did you feel like you needed a certain number of views each month or, a, you know, a certain volume of visitors to your website before you could approach these types of brands and try and establish these relationships? Or what would you say to someone who's just starting out and is really keen to jump on that bandwagon, but isn't sure if they're really ready? Absolutely. So it's funny because things have changed in the last eight years, whereas they used to have a, a low end threshold for what they were looking at. Let's say it was 50,000 visitors a month. I really think that now with so many people using social media, I, I know plenty of people out there who have maybe 10,000 followers or 10,000 monthly visitors who are getting work with different brands. It's all about your pitch and how you're telling them you want to work with them, what you can offer them and what they're looking for. So say you have you're in this really specific niche of, uh, let's say, random orange fruit. I don't know, you know, and that's what you promote. Well, you know, this one company, they have this orange fruit and you want to go promote it for them. But you have a different twist. Say it's like you're doing it with your teenagers or something and they're going to be silly and creative and it's going to be on TikTok. Well, that brand's going to want to do that with you because that speaks to their brand. It speaks to what you can offer that's different from somebody else. And that's how those relationships form. And so what? So you only have 10,000 people. But if 200 people see that, that's 200 clients they didn't have before, potential clients. And I think companies are becoming more marketing savvy and not necessarily seeing travel writers as writers, but as content creators and how that can work together. I mean, it, it's really it really has evolved literally in the last probably three or four years just to a completely different industry. And especially after, you know, coming out of pandemic, trying to see, you know, different ways to promote things and putting more money into their marketing budget for things like this, for smaller brands, for, you know, niche brands who can create something that they couldn't find somewhere else. So I say start when, as soon as you're ready. I mean, as soon as you have the content on your site, the whatever the social media account you want to promote from that you're, seeing some engagement on it. I, I think there's no bad time to really reach out and just kind of test the water and see what you get. Or sick and say no. Yeah, definitely. And it's so interesting that you talk about niching down because that's definitely something that's come up in a lot of interviews that I've had uh, with different successful entrepreneurs. And I mean, you've got a pretty narrow niche. Your blog is Kids Are a Trip. Your planning business is multi-generational uh, vacations. But I guess you could argue that you could even go narrower. Maybe that's the better strategy for someone that's just starting out today to try and you know establish themselves. Yeah. So that's kind of actually how it's all evolved for me. So Kids Are Trip is more like family travel. I actually, on that side, I'm kind of steering more towards teen travel because I have three teens now. So that just kind of makes sense. The multi-generational vacations is actually, yes, it's more of guides on that site, but I know that Kids Are a Trip is going to come to its end at some point, like, you know, within the next about four to five years of me, I'm not going to have little kids anymore. And I, I mean, I consider my 15 year old like a little kid, but he's not. And, <laughs> and so the multi-generational vacations, I started that out of thinking, well, A, we've traveled with my parents. 
for a while. So the boys know what that's like for trying to balance everybody and the different age groups and who likes what and who doesn't. And then us, as our kids get older, they'll have their own kids and then we're still going to be a multi-generational family. So it was kind of this extension of my original side of just how do I continue to put content out there and have something else that I can use in the future because I didn't want to do a food site because everybody has a food site. No offense. I have plenty of friends with food sites. I love you all. But (laughs) then to kind of where does this go from here? I mean, so it is, it's constantly evolving and versus someone who does have a food site who can just create food content endlessly. You know, there's, there's going to be an end. So the multi-generational vacations is kind of my next step. And thankfully, one thing COVID did do is that it created a demand for multi-generational vacations and people traveling with grandparents and spending more time with them. So it kind of have, has worked out in my favor. I just need to now create the content to get on there because it's, like you said, I mean, it's a juggling act. I have kids their trip, moneymaker, and I have multi-generational vacations. It's growing, but I need to put more into it. So if I can clone myself, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that's the solution. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, talk us more. Talk to us more about multi general uh, generational vacations. What What are you offering through it at the moment? And when did you start that project? Sure, that is my COVID project. I think uh, you know most of us with with sites started that like, oh, we have to niche down. We have to niche down. So that was mine. Um, so I started it actually, I think February of 2020. So it was that came out of being okay, there's a a demand for it. There's a need for it. This is something I do. This is something I can talk about, you know, with no problems. So I started out just doing, I had some guest writers come in and do destination guides for me, which I think is super helpful because, you know, when you are trying to plan a multi-gen trip, there are so many moving parts. So to have some guide that you could look at and be like, here's, you know, what the healthcare is like in this, this country, or here's what kind of money they use. Here's how you get to the airport, go through that whole list. I actually have a template that I use, but I tried to find people who are local to those places, write those guides because anybody could write it, but I really wanted to hear from an authentic point of view, who is there, who's on the ground, who has experience. And then I started tearing that into doing some partnerships with different travel advisors who focus on certain regions. So I have a relationship with one who's South America. I have one that's Europe. I have one that's uh, African Safari. So just trying to make it more of an all-in-one stop for planning your trip. And whether you want to do it on your own or you want to work with one of the advisors, this is just kind of a get you started point to, you know, really think through things that that have to go into, whether it's a family reunion or a cross-generational trip, that, you know, there are some differences in how we usually travel. So that's kind of where that all came from. Interesting. So it's, so the site itself is a massive resource site. You could call it a travel blog maybe, but it it does seem more like a a resource site. And then you also offer the ability for readers to go on trips organized by these travel planners that you've partnered with. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. And how has it been coming into it, starting a new website in this day and age, because you've obviously you've got the experience, the knowledge, you know, you've made a lot of connections in the industry, but it's a very different world today than it was in 2014. It, everything you just said, yes, 
So <laughs> I think what was different is I was very intentional. I mean, and it sounded kind of like what I was just saying in what I wanted to offer, how I was going to set up the site, doing the SEO research that I didn't have that knowledge when I started. I mean, I went back to Sharon's digital nomad wannabe and like she has articles about what not what to do when you set up your site, what not to do and and really digging through those things and finding somebody to help me. I, to be honest, I don't have the back end experience. Again, another thing I hire out, I don't know how to set up a site. I, I know some things to make me dangerous, but I don't really have the full vision to do that. So going back and really starting at the beginning and, and learning some of those things, that's how I got to set it up in the first place. But knowing that I wanted to do it differently than how I started because I, because I didn't really have a plan, that all started just throw the information out there. And then this one started with being more intentional and structured. And, you know, how would you search the site if you were somebody planning a trip and going from that point of view versus, you know, hey, we're we're in Hawaii and now we're in Europe. And, you know, no, this one is much more intentional. And that's probably why I haven't put as much on there is because I know what comes next and I haven't done that. And I need to, that's another trigger I need to pull. <laughs> and do you keep to a writing schedule or how do you stay disciplined when you're, you know, running your own business, you get to make the rules. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's a freeing, but it's also really difficult. It is. And it, I'm like, I still haven't figured out a schedule. I'm eight years into it. So it's kind of <laughs> like, what's on fire today? Oh, I'm going to work on that. But I mean, I, I actually started doing this one new uh, uh, article a week and I focus on that and get it out and do the social media on that. And then going to the multi-gen site one day a week, updating old content one day a week, and then just dealing with emails or campaigns. Or I mean, so that's pretty much how my you know week spreads out. The multi-gen site hasn't been around long enough that I'm circling back yet to do any much of the updating just because it kind of sat there for two years while no one was traveling. But um, I definitely could spend more time on that than I do. But now I'm excited. My oldest is home from college and he's got a job working with me this summer, helping me <laughs> get things <laughs> updated, write some articles. Thankfully, he's probably a better writer than I am. So I plan on handing over some stuff to him and let him work with that and see what he can do. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Keep it in the family. That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how are you, what kind of, what's your visitor rate for the multi-gen site? Are you, are you starting to, is it starting to pick up quite a bit? Yeah. I mean, it's not where it should be. I mean, I think I only have maybe 30 articles on there and it gets about 3000 views a month. So, you know, I, I don't, like I said, you got to work on it if you want to bring the traffic. So I really, that's, you know, where I need to put more time and effort in, but I'm still trying to keep, you know, like you said, you have the money maker and then you have your, you know, your pro your project. And so it's trying to balance all of that and make it what you know it can be. So it will happen, but I'm, I'm not just pouring hours and hours and hours into it where I know I could be. And I'm, and that one actually, I don't really, I mean, I own the social media stuff for it, but I don't, spend any time on social media for it just because it doesn't have an audience there yet. So hopefully it will. And so if I get to that point, definitely, but I cross promote it with kids are trip. So it's kind of, I feel like, Oh, I'm doing it. I'm making a pin. I pin it to kids are trip because there's more people there anyway. So, you know, and thankfully they're both very 
similar and there's a lot of crossover, so it makes it easy to promote one on one side and not the other. Sure, yeah. Well, I feel like we should end with just hearing a little bit more about where you want to take these two businesses that you're now running. In an ideal world, you know, let's say three years from now, five years from now, what position would you be in? What would the businesses be doing? Wow. So I'm like, I never really thought about it that way. So (laughs) I, you know, I would love to see Conservatorship continue to grow. I mean, as long as it's providing passive income, I'm fine to keep being the the voice, the name behind it kind of thing and keeping it going. Like I said, I mean, there's so much content on there. I could just spend the next five years editing everything there and making it more SEO worthy and, you know, just cleaning it up. And then, but I'd really like to see the multi-gen site take off. You know, my parents are younger, like 70-ish. And so there's still time to travel with them. And I would love to kind of make them, bring them in and be part of what I've been doing. I mean, they've, they've experienced plenty, believe me. If just, you know, working through kids that are a trip, I've been able to take them on a few different trips. And, but I think I would like to just have that multi-gen site kind of grow and take over as being where I put most of my time and energy into, especially as my kids get older. I mean, they're, I can't make you know, photo shoots of little kids anymore. I have teens. And so when my teens aren't teens, then it is really a multi-gen trip because they're in a different generation than I'm in. And so trying to kind of just go from there and, and hopefully grow that site. And the hard thing is, is that there are so many variations of multi-generational vacations. It's like multi-gen, multi-gen trips, multi-gen <laughs> generational travel, travel with grandparents, family reunions. I mean, so it's hitting all those major keywords and trying to make sure you're bringing in the traffic for all of those things is complicated because everybody has a different way. Some will hyphenate it. I mean, (laughs) so it's like, what do you target? I mean, so you kind of have to target it all. And I didn't think about that when I started off, but I did think about what would people search. And so I bought those other domains so that they all lead back to that. But it's, just kind of a that's where I would be in five years probably devoting more of my time and effort to that site and just letting kids our trip whether I'm going to sell it or not and just be or have it be passive income I haven't really depends on what the multi-gen site does well that's really exciting I really hope that it does go well I mean it sounds like you've got your hands full uh between family and two businesses yes so I'm glad glad to hear you've got one son coming in to help yeah. Help with the reins. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take any help. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Uh, I loved hearing your story. You've shared so many great resources. So we'll link to all of those in the show notes as well. But of course, if people want to learn more about you or get in touch or follow your blogs, where's the best place for them to find you? Kidsartrip.com is my website. Everywhere on social media, I'm Kids Are a Trip. It's A-R-E, not the letter R. And it's the multi-generational vacations. I will answer you there. I'm at info at multi-generationalvacations.com. But um, Kids Our Trip is where you will usually find me. And um, if you need to contact me, there's information on my site on how you can do that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to following your journey and growing both these businesses. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. (laughs) Great. Thank you. Thanks.